It's time to talk San Diego Padres. This is Inside San Diego Baseball from 97.3 The Fan and the Padres Radio Network. Here's Sam Levitt. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Inside San Diego Baseball podcast, the first ever episode, our brand new podcast covering the San Diego Padres from 97.3 The Fan and the Padres Radio Network. I'm Sam Levitt, the pre and post game host for San Diego Padres baseball on those airwaves. And it's great to have you with us as we embark on this new podcasting journey, something that I'm excited about, that all of us at 97.3 The Fan are excited about. And I think this will be a a good way for us to connect during the baseball offseason and beyond, a place for you to hear my thoughts about the team, react to breaking news as it comes in, and much, much more. We plan to do interviews, all kinds of good stuff, and really excited to see what we can do on this new feed. We thought it would be good to put out a short episode today with the winter meeting starting in San Diego next week. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday should be a lot of fun. I'll be there. The shows from 97.3 The Fan will be there broadcasting live each of those three days. My plan for the winter meetings, and hopefully this is how it works out, is to post something on this feed each night or or the morning after. We'll see how it all works out and how fast I can get things together. But play you the interviews that I do during the winter meetings and uh, grab different content. So we hope to have great coverage on this podcast with uh, various guests uh, throughout the winter meetings and certainly hope you'll uh, tune in starting on Monday. Check the feed uh, because it should be a lot of fun. But we did want to put out a little episode today to get things started. So today, as we enter the weekend and we prep for the winter meetings here in San Diego beginning on Monday, I wanted to give you my top five storylines heading into the winter meetings for the Padres. What are the top five things I'm thinking about as we enter the weekend and what should be a very interesting winter meeting? So we'll do that in a second. First, I want to remind you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. That might be on the Odyssey app on Spotify, on Apple, on Stitcher. Please subscribe, leave a five-star rating, review, say something nice. We would really appreciate it. Without further ado, let's get into it. All right, here we go. The top five storylines for the Padres entering next week's winter meetings. Storyline number one, are the Padres really going to land one of these big-time free agent shortstops? We've heard the Padres linked to Xander Bogarts for a week or two, But I wanted to read you what Ken Rosenthal wrote last night for The Athletic. I'm recording this on Friday morning. This was Thursday night. Rosenthal wrote, In my previous column, I wrote that for the Padres, quote-unquote, adding a shortstop essentially would be trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. But while the team has other needs, first base, a starting pitcher, bullpen, bench, Major League sources continue to suggest the Padres are indeed in the shortstop market, possibly even for Trey Turner. A player, general manager A.J. Preller, traded to the Nationals as a player to be named in 2015 and has pretty much coveted ever since. Rosenthal continues to make it work. The Padres could move Hassan Kim to second and Jake Cronenworth to first while going with an outfield of Fernando Tatis Jr. in left, Trent Grisham in center, and Juan Soto in right. But how much is owner Peter Seidler willing to spend with a luxury tax payroll that already is within $4 million of the first threshold? And could the Padres outbid the Phillies who hold several built-in advantages in the Turner sweepstakes? So a few things on this. Number one, it's pretty clear the Padres, whether it be with Xander Bogarts or Trey Turner, are engaging in talks, as they should. When you have the opportunity to add a player of that caliber to your team, you explore it. And this ownership, A.J. Preller, 
they've shown a willingness to not only explore those options, but acquire those options and do what it takes to put a championship caliber team on the field. They have shown that willingness over the last few years, time and time again. So the question becomes, do the Padres actually pull this off? Do they sign a Bogarts or a Turner to a long-term high-money deal? And what does that mean for the rest of this roster? Before we get into that, the quote-unquote square peg into a round hole part of this, I just wanted to read what the Padres lineup would look like with a Bogarts or a Turner. You have Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Manny Machado. Then take your pick, Bogarts or Turner. After that, it would be Jake Cronenworth, a Trent Grisham, a Hassan Kim. Then whoever the DH is, Austin Nola slash Luis Campisano. How about that lineup? That's a really, really good lineup with a top four that would be as good as any top four in baseball. Tatis, assuming he comes back and he's the player that he was, Soto Machado, and a Bogarts or a Turner. Not to mention that if you get even more production from Jake Cronenworth, you get a better offensive season average-wise from Trent Grisham. Hassan Kim takes another step forward. Austin Nola continues to do what he did in the postseason at times. Luis Campusano has an impact. You get a DH that's serviceable, that can give you some power. It's an excellent lineup. And it's something that if you're a Padres fan, you should be really intrigued by. And if the Padres can do it, you should be rooting for them to do it. Now let's talk about the pieces fitting together. Because I don't know that the pieces don't fit. They would have to shuffle. But if obviously you could get a Turner or a Bogarts, you shuffle the pieces to make it work. This whole discussion around... Bogarts and Turner also indicates that maybe Fernando Tatis Jr. is destined for the outfield, which I think is something that's becoming more and more plausible as time goes on. And it's not something that we've never thought about before. We saw Fernando taking fly balls in center field as he was working his way back over the summer, and that appeared to be part of the plan when he came back, which didn't happen. But this is going to be a brand new chapter of Fernando's career. And I think there is an argument, and there's a counter-argument to this as well, but there's an argument that maybe this would be the time, the best time, to readjust Fernando to a brand new position. If that's left field and say, hey, you're going to play out there every day and learn how to play it, and you're young enough and talented enough, we know that, to figure out how to play out there every single day. So we'll see what happens. But it's a very intriguing situation. It also takes care of your first base situation with Cronenworth moving to first base. We'll see if the Padres do it. But the fact that they're even involved in these rumors, involved in these talks, lets you know there's a shot that it happens. And that is, to me, the number one storyline. Because if they were to pull off something like that, it's enormous. And we'll see what happens at the winter meetings next week. Storyline number two, to the Padres sign a pitcher from the higher end of this starting pitching market. This starting pitching market is actually really deep. You have the big names at the top, Jacob DeGrom, Justin Verlander, Carlos Rodon, Kodai Senga, who the Padres have already met with. And then in storyline three, I'm going to get into the next tier of the starting pitching market. But there's no doubt the Padres need starting pitching. Right now, you have Hugh Darvish, Joe Musgrove, Blake Snell, and Nick Martinez. And after that, it's big question marks. 
Now, do those question marks get filled by somebody like a Kodai Singa? Maybe. I suppose if guys on the 40-man roster, let's say the Padres don't sign anybody, which I think is highly unlikely, well, it'd be an Adrian Morahone, a Ryan Weathers maybe, a Reese Kinnear. But let's remember something. One of the team's big strengths last year was the strength of this starting rotation and the depth of this starting rotation, even for some of the struggles of guys like Manaya and guys like Clevenger. The depth of this starting staff, the fact that they could use a six-man rotation for a significant portion of the year, it was a big part of that starting staff's success. So this rotation needs another piece. Is that piece Senga, somebody who will require more years and more money? Is that a name we're not talking about? Could the Padres say, hey, Carlos Rodon, let's talk? Maybe. But how they fill out this starting staff, and if that comes on a contract that is longer and higher money than the names I'm about to mention, I think is definitely storyline number two. And knowing the Padres already have met with Kodai Senga, do they land Senga? That's a big question going into next week. Storyline number three relates to storyline number two. If not a Senga or a Rodon, then who? Like I said, it's really hard to believe, especially with the strength of this starting pitching market, that the Padres aren't going to add. And quite frankly, if they want to be a team that is in contention to win the NL West, do what they aim to do next year, I don't think that's an option, not adding, quite frankly. For as much as I like the four in this rotation right now, the Padres, again, were really fortunate last year. Darvish was healthy all year. Musgrove was pretty much healthy all year. Snell started the year on the IL, but otherwise was healthy. Martinez was healthy. Some of the names that are out there, Chris Bassett, Jamison Tyon, Jose Quintana, Sean Manaya, Nathan Avaldi, Taiwan Walker. And there are a lot of guys on that list that not only are good, but they stay healthy and they make a lot of starts. Let, let's look at some of the numbers. Chris Bassett, going back to 2019 for Bassett. 2019, 381 ERA in 25 starts. 2020, short season, 229 ERA in 11 starts. 2021, 315 ERA in 27 starts. Last year with the Mets, 342 ERA in 30 starts. Can you get somebody like a Chris Bassett on a shorter deal? He will not be cheap. He declined a $19 million option with the Mets. That's how he became a free agent. But you look around and you see some of the money that starting pitchers are getting. Mike Clevenger getting $12 million from the White Sox. Yesterday, Matt Boyd getting $10 million from the Tigers on a one-year deal. Yesterday, Zach Eflin, coming from the Phillies, signed with the Tampa Bay Rays for three years, $40 million. I couldn't believe this, in case you haven't heard this. That was the largest free agent contract in Rays history. <laughs> three years, $40 million. But what it shows you is that any of these names, whether it's a Bassett or a Walker or a Tyon, it, it's going to cost quite a bit. Taiwan Walker, last year for the Mets, a 3-4-9 ERA in 29 starts. Made 29 starts in 2021 as well. Durable arms that can pitch every five days. That's what I would be looking for. Jamison Tyon, 3-9-1 ERA in 32 starts last year. 4-3-0 ERA in 29 starts in 2021. As far as starting pitching, let's assume the Padres don't land Senga, don't land a Rodon, or a big, big name. Then I'm looking at somebody that you can get on a deal the Padres can manage and that can be durable and eat up innings. And then you look at their rotation with Darvish and Snell and Musgrove 
and Martinez. And then that question mark, maybe it's a Tyon, maybe it's a Walker, maybe it's a Bassett. That's really intriguing, and that's a really solid starting five. But it's going to cost. It is, based on what pitchers are getting right now. But there's no doubt, for storyline number three, and one of the top storylines, I think, the rest of this offseason for the Padres, how they fill out this starting rotation, because it was, and it will have to be, a big strength of this team in 2023. Storyline number four, what do the Padres do at first base and left field? And two things before we get into it. Number one, let's live in a world for this conversation where the Padres don't sign a big-name shortstop and there aren't all these moving pieces where Cronenworth goes to first base and Fernando's in left field and some of the questions are answered by the signing of of the big-time shortstop. So that's number one. Number two, I thought Jose Abreu would have been an excellent fit in this Padres lineup. Astros give him three years, 60 million. Alas, it doesn't happen for the Padres. I, I just thought Abreu is a great player. He hits for average on base, OPS, power, doubles, drives and runs. He stays healthy. And on a two or three year deal, I thought he would have been perfect. But the Astros get him at three years, 60 million. So what are the options for the Padres? Well, I think the decision from the way I look at it at first base is the Padres are going to have to decide whether they want to go multi-year with somebody like a Josh Bell, a Brandon Drury, players that obviously we know well, or if it makes more sense, depending on where money goes elsewhere, to sign an older veteran-type player to play first base on, let's say, a one-year deal. Could that be a Yuli Goriel? Could that be a Trey Mancini, depending on what kind of contracts he would get? But from the free agent market, there aren't tons and tons of options out there. I think Bell or Drury would be a really nice fit. I know Bell struggled, obviously, for the most part during his time in San Diego after the trade. But I think Josh Bell, for the most part, um, has been a really nice player and, you know, has the potential to do that again here in San Diego. So it's an interesting conversation with first base. There's no doubt about that. But I think the Padres ultimately will have to decide what type of deal they want at first base. And the same can be true for left field because there are a couple of guys out there in left field that you could sign some multi-year deals. Andrew Benatendi, Jerks and Profar, you assume the opt-out meant that he thought he could go multi-years and make more money on the open market so the Padres bring him back. But again, much like first base, there aren't tons and tons of options in left field. So first base and left field are are really interesting. I mean, heck, could we even see somebody like a Will Myers back here who could play a little outfield and play a little first base? I think with first base and left field, there has to be a lot on the table because that's the way the market shapes up this season. And obviously, depending on what the Padres do in other parts of this roster and where money goes to other parts of this team, I think very much from a, a roster construction standpoint and a money standpoint will affect what happens with first base and left field. Storyline number five, and I debated with the final biggest storyline for the Padres heading into the winter meetings, whether this was the bullpen or whether this was trade scenarios. And I guess I'll spend time on both. With the bullpen, the reason I I put it down and I started writing some notes down on it was because this bullpen has a chance to be really special. Robert Suarez and Josh Hader 
If they do what they did towards the end of the regular season and in the postseason, they have a chance to be the best one-two punch in the back end of a bullpen in baseball this year. I truly believe that if those two guys perform to their highest capabilities. The rest of the bullpen, a really good base is there. Luis Garcia, Tim Hill, hopefully a healthy Drew Pomerantz, which would be a huge boost. Nabil Chrismat, maybe a Jose Castillo, a Steven Wilson. The bullpen, certainly you would imagine the Padres will try to add a piece or two into that bullpen, get some different arms in there. But the core of that bullpen, especially when you have a back end like Suarez and Hayter, you're in a really good spot. So that's why ultimately I was like, I don't know if this is the major storyline number five. I would say probably more so the biggest storyline number five are the trade scenarios for the Padres. We know A.J. Preller. He will figure out ways to get deals done, ones that you don't expect, like a Josh Hader deal in August, like a Juan Soto deal. And I think the decision the Padres will ultimately have to make if they want to have a, a, a trade for a significant player that would require some significant prospects to go the other way is, are they in a position to do that? The farm system is thinner, Obviously, with the trade for Soto, with sending all the pieces they did to Washington, C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, James Wood, and others, they have a big-time prospect in Jackson Merrill who I've heard tremendous things about and everybody raves about Jackson Merrill. They've got some pitching prospects in the system at the lower levels that are impressive. They have Luis Campusano, who you would imagine this season part of um, things the Padres need to figure out are, is Luis Campusano going to be a big part of this team's future? It would seem that's a, a question this season they may want to answer. And if not, is Luis Campusano somebody they can include in a trade for another piece? So the trade scenarios, I think, always for A.J. Preller and this team are really fascinating because they tend to do things that you don't expect. And the Padres have not been shy to trade away they're big-time prospects. Are they in a position to do that with the way the farm system is right now? We'll see. And that is storyline number five, along with the bullpen. I kind of mixed both those in there. But the bullpen and the trade scenarios for the Padres, storyline number five. And there you have it, my top five storylines for the Padres entering the weekend and the winter meetings here in San Diego next week. As always, we invite you to follow us on social media, Follow 97.3 The Fan on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Many of you may know that I am very active on social media. Twitter, Sammy Lev, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. I've been posting a lot to Instagram lately. Follow me, same handle there as well. TikTok, for you TikTokers out there, Sammy Levitt, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V-I-T-T. And just like I do throughout the course of the regular baseball season, tweet at me, let me know what you think what you like. If you don't like something, feel free to say it, but be kind, uh, hopefully. And uh, you can also ask me questions. I'm happy to answer any questions uh, you might have here on the show. If you want to hear my opinion on anything Padres or Major League Baseball related, we may try to mix in some uh, various MLB topics as we go. We should have, like I said, terrific coverage from the winter meetings starting on Monday. All the shows on 97.3 The Fan, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's Ben and Woods, Coach John Quintero, along with Braden, 
and uh, Gwyn and Chris. They will be broadcasting live from the winter meetings Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I will be there as well. And like I said, hopefully have something posted to this feed on Monday night. If not Monday night, hopefully Tuesday morning. We'll see how everything shakes out and uh, what the timing of everything is. But should be a lot of fun. We should have some really, really great stuff on both the podcast and throughout social media from the winter meetings. Have a great weekend. Gear up for the winter meeting. Should be a lot of fun. The Padres have a lot of work to do and obviously a very exciting time as they construct this 2023 team. Talk to you next time on the Inside San Diego Baseball Podcast. <laughs>